0: This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And I'm joined by Dan Gillette and David Sunman. Without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Okay, well, welcome back to Behold, listener. And just before we get going, a disclaimer for you, a warning. This may be a noisy episode. We got stuff going on on all three fronts here, so beware.
1: Oh yeah, we got all kinds of joyful noises coming through. We got we got babies cooing. We've got uh, va- vacuum cleaners vacuuming, and uh, who knows what could be coming through on my end.
0: I love it. Yeah, you, you, I'll paint the picture for you. I'm standing right now, and I got Wendy in one of those like wrap things. Which don't judge me, all you men out there. But yep, she's wrapped, and so we're beholding all wrapped, guys. We're doing this thing. Hopefully, and you she- got
1: the you got the dad sway going on, real real strong.
0: Um My calves are getting a, a good workout these last couple of weeks doing that bob. You know,
1: yeah, and you're a, also you're a combination right now of dad bod and baby bod. Exactly, exactly. Ultimate form. And you do know, Sean, that they they make masculine versions of those wraps. That's. I feel like there, there's like a lot of flowers and doilies and laces on this one there.
2: You just get like a camouflage one or something. Yeah,
1: or dude, come on. You got to get a tactical wrap. You got to get <laughs> one with like a, like a, you know, a holster.
0: You know what? You know what? Camouflage and tactical things are for, for men who need to compensate. I got, I'm good guys. I'm confident. Oh, you're
1: very it. comfortable with your, with your feminine side. I appreciate that.
0: And what it's a, it's a tan wrap with little white dots. I mean, hey,
1: speaking of, uh, all things feminine, uh, David Sunman, this is your first time on the podcast uh, since a big moment in your life uh, with with a special a special someone. Do you want to fill everybody in on on what's happening with you up up there in the northwest? Drum roll. I am engaged whoop, whoop, to whoop. a real live actual woman. Yes, she
2: does exist, despite <laughs> Dan's accusations.
1: <laughs> I I have yet to to see her in the flesh. <laughs> Know, yeah, until then, right?
0: (laughs) I can hear the cries of women all over the world already at hearing this episode.
1: Ah, it's the collective heartbreak that (laughs) you are off the market.
2: (laughs) Uh, Ah,
1: no, yeah, so here's, here's the I was gonna, I'm gonna put you on the spot. So her name's Rachel, yep, and um, I want to hear, and I think all the beholders at home want to hear your top five reasons why. You like this girl? Why is she so special? Mm-hmm. What's so lovely about Rachel?
2: That's great. Five. Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> you should have more than five easily. Yeah. Five. No, five's good.
1: <laughs> top five. Top five. So, In no particular so, order.
2: Number one uh, really loves Jesus and wants to uh, serve him. Um, you know, something that I think a lot of people from BBC have heard our, our buddy, Mr. Darnell say is you know two things every you know single guy had to be looking for um a gal who loves Jesus and wants to serve him and uh someone who they got the hots for oh yeah <laughs> and so um so number one uh she she loves Jesus wants to serve him strong relationship with god um loves to be in the word um two i i mean i i think she's beautiful i'll just cover those so i think she's beautiful i think uh you know she's um yeah, just, just one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen before in my life. Um,
1: and she three, likes you for some reason. Is, and I know, which yeah, is the craziest bizarre.
2: part, but um, number three, she has a, a really caring heart. Um, so, you know, some things that that she will suggest, like she has a couple of cousins who were adopted, who are in foster care and who have had a lot of behavioral issues. And she's like, we should go start seeing them every week and, you know, wants to pray for them. And it, like is in tears, like, um, you know, lamenting for, for, you know, the experiences they've had. And it's really cool to see the way she cares for people. Um, four, uh, she is super intelligent, very smart, like so much smarter than I am. She's in medical school and, um, you know, wants to use, and, and, and so I guess, uh, so she's intelligent, really motivated in her, in her career. And then, uh, five, she wants to use her gifts, Uh, to benefit other people. So she, you know, is looking into how can she use her, her medical experience and her medical training to, to serve in some way, you know, through a local nonprofit or even overseas at some point, you know, she thinks she's, she, she kind of keeps one eye on that. So I'll give those five.
1: Nice job. Hey, Uh, hey, shout out to shout out to Rachel. Shout out to you, David, for thinking on your toes. And uh, those were all very, very fine. Good answers. So good job.
0: And, and I get I get the impression that you could have kept going all day, right? Yes,
1: sir. Yes, Absolutely.
0: sir. I love that. Uh, and those of you who are listening who are, as mentioned, those heartbreaking uh, women because of this guy off the market, <laughs> fear not, because Tim Barley is still available. So hit him up. Hello.
1: <laughs> Hello.
0: All right, guys. Well, uh, here's my segue. Here's my segue. I'm sure that asking her to marry you was a momentous occasion. I'm sure it was nervous and took courage. Not unlike other moments in our lives that take courage to share. And I'm talking about the gospel, y'all, sharing the whoop good whoop. word. So on Sunday, Charlie gave us a uh, a convicting and just a charging time where he just laid it out, really Paul laid out to Timothy, but we got to benefit from that as well of just, hey, you don't have to be afraid to share the gospel. And there's a lot of reasons why that is. But one of the first ways that first reasons for that, that Charlie shared is that, God has equipped us all differently, right? He's made us as unique humans. you all different giftings and abilities. And those giftings and abilities, turns out are amazing tools for sharing the gospel. And so just to give an example, like me and Dan, obviously we're music dudes. So one of the main ways that we're going to share the gospel with people is through music and through worship. David Summon, one of the ways you've done that is through spoken word and through rapping and public speaking, all those kinds of things. So as we think about that, you know, whoever you are listening, you have giftings too and abilities that God can fan the flame on and develop to then become one of those ways. So, as we think about that, what do you guys think about those that the topic of abilities and, and developing those things?
1: Well, the the, the thing that I kind of want to, I'll answer, I'll answer your question with a question. So, I, I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts. You know, it's really interesting that Paul tells Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God, and it's not, it's not. um let God fan it into flame or, or make sure that you have people in your life that are fanning your, your gift into flame. Right. He puts the onus on him. He He's like, it's your job. Like God's given you this gift. It's your job to, to, to stoke that, that, that fire and, and let it, let it burn bright. And so just, just curious, you know, w- let's just start there. Like, wh- why do you think that's so significant? Like why, why does timothy why does timothy have that burden on him and and us by extension why do we have that and and what is that what does that look like i don't know what do you guys think
2: yeah i think it it shows that there there is uh a part that we have in in the development that you know we have a responsibility to invest time and and you know resources that we have into growing in these things. God is the one who gives it to us. But just like, you know, for you guys and in, in your musical worship, like you guys practice, <laughs> you guys practice, you guys, you know, consider ways that you can uh, perform more effectively um, on your own and as and as a team. And so even for something like, you know, teaching, you know, like people get trained to teach, you know, like, like Gary trains people up. And so whatever, whatever the gift is, there's a training that's involved and we become more effective and we still trust God with the outcome. Uh, you can be, you know, the greatest musician or the greatest evangelist and, you know, still have someone say, ah, I'm not interested, you know, but, (laughs) but we still have a responsibility to put in the effort.
1: Well said, well said. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, I just think that is, is so important for us to, to focus on, you know, just to answer that question, what does that look like, you know, in, in our lives? What, what does that fanning into flame look like? Because we don't want to be, you know, the, the, the lazy, fearful, uh, you know, servant of God who just kind of buries the gift and just sits on it. Right. We want to see that thing, thing grow. So, um, Sean, what 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 does that look like for you? You know, you talked about with with music, but you know, what about some of your other other gifts that God's given you? How how are you fanning that into flame?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 kind of a complicated question, right? I think a lot of it ties into some of the stuff we've been digging into so far with our tested series of like, you know, a lot of these things are really relational things, or they take place in the context of serving in church, whatever it looks like. And so I think like there's there's a, there's a two sided coin there of like, yeah, you're, you're developing that ability and that will bless you because you can use that ability then for effective ministry for all kinds of things. But also I think in that process of doing that, you know, you're, you're benefiting in the process. Like we said before, it's kind of like the process of suffering, you know, like, yeah, there is a mean, there is an end, which justifies the means of right now, but in that process you're, you're being developed and gaining peace and endurance and steadfastness and all that kind of stuff. And I think so isn't it the case with developing our godly giftings, like as we're doing that, as we're getting plugged in and pouring into that and hopefully getting poured into by someone else, you know, going back to that intentional relationships thing from a couple of weeks ago, I think that all kinds of benefits that, that, that come into play. So for, to answer your question for me, like one of those things that is non-music related would be like, uh, like uh, administrative skills, you know, and that type of thing. And so, Tim has been a huge blessing to me in that way in this last year. And yeah, as I'm getting better and better at that kind of stuff and decision-making and helping lead teams with small stuff, uh, yeah, that's really cool that that becomes a new tool, my tool belt for ministry and for evangelism and all that stuff. But even so, like even still in that process, it's just been a huge blessing for me individually and for for our church family and, and yada, yada, yada. So yeah, I think it's just a cool, another one of those pictures of like how so frequently God does that where there's this, this command given, and it seems simple on face value. But then in reality, there's like all different ways that he's using that in the process to grow you and the people around you.
1: That's awesome. I love, I love that, you know, just seeing things through that relational grid and, and yeah, I think, I think back to all the times in my life when I have been really challenged and, and, uh, Kind of growing through difficulty, it has to do just with dealing with people. I mean, I think we all love people, right? But, but especially in the church, there's there's a lot of different kinds of people, and um, we all know those uh, those uh, extra grace required people, the the EGRs, right out there, um, that help us. I think fan this the gifts that God has given us into flame. Sometimes by trial, right? Sometimes by encouragement. Sometimes just by uh, the, the push and pull of relationships. And yeah, I, I love that, that element. And that's a great you know, lens for us to look, through, look at all of these things because these gifts aren't meant to be developed in a vacuum. They're, they're meant to be developed in the context of community.
2: It's so important because you know, even just thinking about, you know, when we think of examples of being, people who are being trained up to use their gifts, there's always this, this kind of mentor relationship that you see with someone who's pouring into the next person, you know, even you think about Valley Bible Church, you know, there's going to eventually be a a shift in the leadership because some of the folks who have been around for a while, aren't going to be around forever. They're going to go be with the Lord and the people who they've been pouring into you guys, some of the other folks, you're going to be the next round of leaders and then you're going to pour into others. But at some point you have to kind of take what has been uh, offered to you, like Paul trained up Timothy and he sent him out. Okay. Now, now, now it's time for you to, to go and keep this flame going.
1: Yeah. I, I love that. You know, what it makes me think of is the, um, <clears throat> the end of numbers and in, in, into Joshua, How, you know, um, so, so God's, uh, you know, people have, have been struggling in the wilderness, you know, for decades and, they had uh they're right on the edge of what of walking into the promised land, right on the edge of of stepping into all that God has promised them. And um you see this this passing of the torch, right, from Moses to Joshua. And and it's really it's really fascinating just to see that whole dynamic and and that um you know really in a lot of ways it, it does mirror the Paul Timothy kind of thing, right? this mentoring, this passing of the baton, this, this kind of leadership, you know, succession in some, in some ways. Right. And obviously the, the issue of fear comes up, which, which Timothy was encouraging, was being encouraged by Paul um, to not let fear uh, be the driver, you know, to not, not let the advancement of the kingdom be, be stifled by fear. And um, that was kind of what was happening too in in that time with, with uh, the Israelites if you guys remember, you know, Joshua sent these these spies into the land to kind of scope things out, to do some recon. And um, do you guys remember, uh, so he sent 12. How many came back with a good report? Do you guys remember? The majority, was- the vast majority came back with a good report or a bad report? Bad report. Bad report, yeah. So it was only Caleb and Joshua who yeah. came back and said, we can do this. You know, God, God is going to deliver uh, the, these people. The rest of them came back and said, there's giants in the land, you know, like there's no way we can, we can overtake the, these people. And, and they they were, they were afraid, you know, but, but Caleb and Joshua came back with, um, with faith, you know, and I just, I love that. Um, just looking at those two words, fear and faith, like, you know, I think so many times we are stifled um, because we're, we're just afraid. And then later, you know, there's that famous, um, verse in, in the first chapter of Joshua, um, where, where God tells Joshua, uh, be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Do not be dismayed for the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. And I think ultimately, I'm curious what you guys think about this. Ultimately, what comes down to, when it comes down to fear, Uh, I think we are, we're not trusting that component there that, that God is with us, that he's going to fight for us, that he is, he's the one that makes transformation possible. He's the one that can open people's eyes to the gospel. Um, And so maybe we can just kick that idea around of just fear versus faith and, and the presence of God, you know, with us when we are sharing the gospel.
0: Man, that's like, that's deep right there. I think it's really complicated, you know, like when we're talking about fear, I, I'm sure you can hear Wendy like whimpering in the background. She's, I love
1: it. Just It's a here. great back, backing track.
0: I'm sure people listening love it. Anyways, um, yeah, when we're talking about fear of sharing the gospel, there's so many like different avenues of like, what, what fear are we talking about? You know, are we talking about your, your social fear, like your fear of being embarrassed at sharing, your fear of being looked at as like a religious weirdo? You know, is it your fear of them rejecting the gospel and them never joining you in eternity? You know, is it your fear of misrepresenting truth or whatever that looks like? There's so many different things. And so I think you got to spend some time just reflecting on your own heart and thinking, identifying what those are. Just like we identify and develop our giftings, like Paul told Timothy and Fan That Flame, I think it's important to identify and then work on what our fears are. And like you said, a lot of that stems, well, almost all of it stems from A, lack of faith, a lack of trust. But I think even more like pointed than that, what are we not having faith in, you know? Or or what are we not trusting in? Or what are we misplacing truth in? And some of those things, I think the two biggest ones probably are, like you said, we're not trusting that God is strong enough to get me through this or that he's not carrying me through this. And then B, we're misplacing our, our worth and identity, you know? Like we're valuing our, our social reputation over our identity as sons and daughters of Christ. You know, and I totally understand that, but it's so common for a lot of us of just, yeah, I don't want to share the gospel at work or at school or whatever it is, because I don't want to be looked at this way. And really that just speaks to a, a, a deeper, a deeper problem. You know, it's it's a, a deeper problem of you wanting to, to love the world and live the world's way rather than be in in the fold of God and be identified as as his son and daughter. And so there's a lot of different things. But again, I think that process is important of like doing some reflection and prayer, identifying what those hesitations are for you because everyone's different and then turning to God's word in in prayer with those things and kind of working on those and reminding yourself of those truths. That's great. That's
2: so good. And that's something that I try to remember is, you know, that fear is a valid feeling that we will experience and that's something that we can't expect. You know, like, you know, I think a lot of people including myself have benefited from say like the, the training from evangelists, like Ray Comfort, you know, a guy who is a gifted evangelist who is, who's probably evangelized to you know thousands and thousands of thousands of people. But I heard him say once that every time still before he goes up to somebody, he still feels like a little bit of a fear. You know, and he and he knows how to move past that now. But it's something that we can expect. And and that's why I love that they use this word combat, because it's like it's something that we do have to to go up against. And and of course, when we tap into that, that spirit that God has given us, then we are emboldened that we're caused to act courageously in the midst of that fear. And and then, of course, you know, thinking about our situation here in America, you you think about you think about guys like Paul and Timothy who really had a threat of of death you know, or bodily harm, uh, serious consequences from going in and preaching the gospel. For us here in America, we haven't gotten to that point yet. I think we can all agree that we're starting to shift that way. You know, each generation, uh, there are fewer and fewer people who profess to be Christians. And there's more and more of of this, you know, worldly, uh, uh, you know, totally from the opposite direction mentality that's, that's kind of taking control of, of our culture. But you know, at this point, really, like the worst that's going to happen is like we might, you know, you know, get called something or whatever. Like, like we
1: might get canceled.
2: Yeah, we might get <laughs> we might we might get canceled. Um, but Which we is don't a very have a
1: real thing. I I understand yes. why that's fearful for people. But but to your point, it's not. We're not getting heads chopped off. You know, like we're we're not being imprisoned. Um, you know, like Paul like Paul was. But sorry, keep going. You you were on a you were on a run. Keep going.
2: No, it's good. And, and, that, and that's really the point is making is at this point, you know, and, and I, I know that there are some some people who are starting to experience these kind of things where they're losing jobs. You know, even you got the, the, the pastor up in you know, Canada who, you know, was was, you know, put in prison because they were keeping their church open during uh, the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of kind of complicated issues that, that go into this stuff. But we're starting to see things that we didn't see before. That it's becoming less and less socially advantageous to be a person of faith, and so I think we're going to start to see more and more of people who maybe were, you know, not really authentic about their faith, or you know, who who just were kind of doing it because their parents, you know, had them go to church. Those people are not going to stick around, and you're going to see the people who who truly believe are, are going to remain, are going to stay steadfast uh, in the faith even when the consequences are going to get worse and worse as we're already starting to see.
1: Yeah. It, it, and it's a, I don't know. makes me think of, I don't know. Have you guys heard of this, this uh, famous climb climber, Alex Honnold? I don't know if I'm saying his name, right. It's I think H-O- that's right. Honnold. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's kind of best known for his free solo, ascents of, of massive walls. Um, most famously he did El Cap, um, in 2017. And there's this documentary about him. And it's really fascinating. They, at one point in the documentary, they hooked his his brain up to a scanner. And they basically were trying to um, expose him to uh, images that would, uh, for a normal person, cause a, a severe uh, fear response. And Um, For those of you brainiacs out there, um, the amygdala is the part of our brain that actually coordinates responses to things that we see in our environment um, that can trigger like emotional responses like like fear. And it's just so interesting when they hooked him up to these to the to the scanner and they showed him these images, there was like almost no response compared to like the baseline of like normal human beings, you know? Because this is the guy that like, he, he literally puts his life, like he, he's like doing life and death things like pretty much every week in his life as he's doing these free climbs and stuff. And and basically what what, what they were trying to show is he had been exposed to life or death situations. It was so common for him that he had desensitized his brain to these fear responses and so it was through this constant practice and exposure that he basically learned to overcome his fear to the point where he could be hanging off you know a, a, a wall you know thousands and thousands of feet in the air with no ropes and just be like he's having a cup of coffee or whatever you know he's he was so focused and dialed in and the fear wasn't holding him back. He, he was able to kind of overcome it through a life of exposure. And so I think about that with, you know, sharing the gospel or even, I think just talking about our faith, just, just even letting people at work know that you go to church, that you believe in God, that you pray, that you read the Bible, you know, just, I think getting stuff out there into the world, verbalizing our faith. It's just something that, we can, we can, the fear that's associated with that, we can overcome that through exposure. Do you guys know what I'm talking about, what I'm trying to say? If we just do it, the more we do it and and we realize, oh, wow, I didn't get my head chopped off. I didn't, I didn't get canceled even, you know, and it, I think that can embolden us a little bit.
0: For sure. And I think like, well, it's funny, like speaking of Alex Conald, if you haven't watched Free Solo, go watch it. To be clear, I think that man is a lunatic. <laughs> I think it's broken in. <laughs> And we're not saying be like Alex Honnold, but I, I just really appreciate the point of just, just like him, we it's, it's just like anything else. There's development and training for us to be doing. But the piece of it to me that I was thinking about as you were just talking about that Dan was, you know, this imagery of climbing El Cap with no ropes and no no anything, and yeah, like overcoming the fear of that. But even like I think more profound than that is it would be like if you're someone who. I asked you, Hey, go climb El Cap free with no ropes or anything. You're like, no, that's insane. You're a crazy person. <laughs> and then what if I insisted, okay, here's another option. Go jump in the ball pit at Chuck E. Cheese. You're like, okay, I can do that.
1: There's some different things to be afraid of in there, but I hear I know, different. <laughs>
0: <laughs> But In that context, you'll do it with no hesitations because there's no danger to you, right? You're not worried about falling off a, a cliff and falling for a thousand feet. And I think that speaks to this, this issue of, are we trusting that that God has our backs? But even more deep than that, I love Charlie's picture of, do we really believe that death is abolished and defeated? You know, do we believe that Jesus already claimed victory over all of this and that there is no danger of death for us? You know, we don't have to think about these things as L-caps, but instead think of them as the ball pits because Jesus already climbed the L-cap for all of us, Right. He Whoa, did. The
1: that's good. <laughs> did uh, this is the free solo, y'all. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it. But it is still a leap. We still every, every time we verbalize our faith, it, it is a little bit of a leap. And and so if you're listening at home, like that's not lost on us. We we know that there is there is that little um, fear response. But I guess I'm yeah. Like what we're saying is, um, we can overcome that as, as the spirit enables us. And as we, we read God's word and, and we, we bank his promises into our heart.
0: Absolutely. And also like, man, I don't want to be like poo poo here, but I think it's an important question to ask, you know, like, I think you're so right, Dan, that for most of us, most of the time, we're going to share our faith in some degree or another, and we're not going to get canceled for it, you know, but it's an important question to ask. Are you willing to get canceled for the name of Jesus? You know, and I know it's uncomfortable to think about, but that's the reality that we're living in. And like David, you're you're sharing and Charlie said this on Sunday too, where it seems like we're heading that direction where someday that might be the, the stark reality for all of us is, are you willing to get canceled for your faith? And yeah, I know that a lot, we're, right now we're talking about the context of, you know, sharing what you're doing this weekend with your coworker and it's a lo- low pressure, but certainly like it, it I think it's worth us thinking about and reflecting on and, and, and answering that question because yeah, we're not talking about being beheaded, but for some of us, the idea of being canceled is even worse. <laughs> for some of us think would rather die than have their reputation in the social network be be brought down, you know? And so in that context, in today's arena with being canceled and whatnot, yeah, just do some prayer about it, you know? And we're not saying you need to go and get canceled tomorrow, but just, I think that reflects our hearts of just, am I willing to sacrifice this or this for the name of Jesus. And if you're not, it's a good good place to start when it comes to your heart towards evangelism.
2: I feel like that's a great way to reveal what are idols in our lives, if we have any, you know, because anything that we're not willing to give up for that purpose, then likely we place too much importance on that thing. You know, am I am I willing to lose my job? You know, if I if I preach about Jesus to a co-worker, you know, are you are you afraid to uh you know lose your reputation among you know some some social circle that you have uh to be you know uh, kind of left out of things in that way and then even life in this world because if we truly believe that this isn't all we have and paul himself said if if this present age is all we had hope in we would be much to be pitied as christians right <laughs> but that's not that's not the hope that we have and so Uh, if we, if we truly hold on to God's promises and we would say, well, yeah, I'm willing to give up this life. And I don't think anyone, you know, can just in the moment come to that easily, but I think that's even where perhaps the age that we find ourselves in now is good training, you know, in America, if we don't have the threat of death, you know, uh, you know, behind us necessarily, maybe this is a good opportunity to start to step out in boldness, so that we are prepared when that fear comes, and and some of these smaller consequences are ahead of us, that uh, that we will be ready once bigger consequences come.
1: Oh, that's really good, and, and really that's that's the point that Charlie was bringing out from verses nine and ten, right? Just that that we have been rescued, and he has he's designed us uniquely for this time in this place, and you know he is he's brought about this this victory over death. You know, I love that the, the life and immortality, he's brought it to light through the gospel. And so we, we have this hope that, yeah, that this, that this is not all there is, that we, we don't have to, um, I don't know. We don't have to be motivated by those things that can become idols in our, in our life. Um, what about, what about the piece of, uh, this reality that others are are in it with us, and and how how does our um, the communal nature of the church and the unity that we have through the Spirit how how does that reality help us have courage as we share the gospel? Because we've been kind of talking about it a lot, you know, personally, like you know our our witness, our testimony, but but what about this idea uh, that that Paul brings up to Timothy that you have people around you, you know, that, that you're not alone in this? How does, how does that play out for us?
0: I well, think one, like, you know, we talked about this, was it last week or two weeks ago with Nathan, but just how the community of God and relationships is such a huge way that God will, will correct uh, lies in our hearts, you know, and things that we're focusing on our idols in our lives, like David mentioned. And so if like you're, if you're heeding that call, like Paul says, surround yourself with people who love Jesus and who are, are have zeal for Him. Then I think a lot of those things will be identified in in your life, you know, of certain things that you're just holding too high on a pedestal or hesitations you have. Uh, but also, I think like just like we we're talking about earlier, you, you the more you do some of these things, the easier it is. And so, of course, you know, if you're if you're hanging out with people who love talking about Jesus then it'll feel a lot more normal for you, you know? I think any human in the world, if all they ever do is hang out with non-believers in a really stark like atmosphere, then it's always going to feel really awkward and uncomfortable to share the gospel because you're never doing it. You're never hearing it done, you know? So I think that's one of those ways of just, I think, especially for those of you who maybe didn't grow up in the church and you know, now you're coming to Jesus and you have a lot of friends and coworkers who don't know Jesus. I can totally get why that's like an, it can feel like an awkward social transition. And you're learning all kinds of new stuff. Like we have a good friend, Tim Levy, who's one of those guys who talks about that a lot. Of just, man, just this, my old friends and my old life versus the new, it's just so different. I'm learning so many new things. And he would say that hundred percent, like his time spent with people from VBC and his church family has taught him so much about being able to talk to those non-believing friends in a way that's like just authentic and down to earth and real and not so like, not, not I don't want to say cheesy, but not as structured and kind of prepared, you know? But instead it's just like, hey, the, this, this attitude of God transformed my life and here's how he did it. And and not having to have this big old, which of course, sometimes in certain times and places you need those really prepared two minute testimonies whatever that looks like. But other times, some people are going to respond a lot better just a, a realness and a, a, just hearing in a real way, what God did in your life. You know?
1: That's great. What, what about you, Sonny? What do you, how have you experienced that kind of communal aspect to, to this? Yeah. Topic?
0: Well, something
2: along those lines. I think what you guys are mentioning is is so encouraging. You know, because I just think about all the people who, you know, just like Timothy watching Paul, like you see, you see the way that other people do something and you see how it works, and then you have a model to go by. Then something else that's really encouraging for me, especially when we think about evangelism, is like what the impact truly is when we evangelize. And so even you just think about. Like at BBC, you look at people who have been saved, who have, who have been given a new life, you know, who have overcome difficult things and just so much transformation that occurs in people. And then you remember like, oh, yeah, that's why we do this, you know. Like that's something that I have to remember at City Team, you know, working in, in addiction recovery, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people who don't make it or a lot of people who just don't stay in the program, whatever. And it can be discouraging at times. You know, just like in evangelism, you might get a lot of no's or a lot of, in, you know, just indifferences or whatever. Um, but then you remember those people like, oh, yeah, we have guys who have taken this thing to heart, have trusted in Jesus as their Savior, and we're going to be standing next to him in heaven for eternity. You know, and so you think about that, you think about the impact that it has. It's like, oh, yeah, that, that's why we do this. I'm, I'm willing to step out in faith if that's the impact that, that it can have.
1: Yeah, it's so cool. And and just to to I think even zoom out a little bit and just kind of see how just by opening our mouths and and talking about the Lord or talking about what he's done in our lives, we 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 play we're kind of like one piece of the puzzle in God bringing somebody to himself. Right? We we understand I think it's really important for us to understand when we're talking about evangelism that We're not the ones that, that bring people into the kingdom. Like we're, God is using us as his witnesses, but no one, no one comes to, to the father unless, unless he's drawn by Jesus and the Holy spirit. Right. And so just, you know, even to think about, um, in all of our stories, like who are all the people that played a role in, in us coming to, to trust the Lord Uh, You know, who, who invited us where, Um, who lived out their faith in front of us, who um, actually spelled out the gospel, you know, who, who showed us what unconditional love is like, who opened up the word and taught us about, you know, the things of, of Christ. Like there's probably a long list. It's not just one person who, who shared with us or one person who invited us. It's this whole story that God is writing. And it's cool to think that we get to be part of that. And then we get to see, like you said, David, like we get to see the, the impact of it because lives are transformed and we, and we even spin it forward into eternity. And we say, this, this person is, is going to be with me there. And it's very humbling, but I just think it's important also, right. To note that it's not, I don't know, the weight isn't on us, right. Like if we miss an opportunity, it doesn't mean that God's not going to save so-and-so, right? I think that kind of freezes up a little bit. It's not, we're not the one who saves people, right?
0: Amen. And I'm you know, just thinking about as you're sharing that, like, there's, there's a lot of ways we don't have to feel weight. That's definitely a huge one, you know, of just, we're not doing the the, the heavy lifting here. But also I think like when it comes to our fears, we don't have to feel a weight as far as what if this person rejects this message, you know, cause that's not, that's not on your plate. You know, God doesn't call us to ensure this person loves what you say about Jesus. He calls you to share Jesus, you know? And I think that that like moment is a really important opportunity for you to be a, 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 a loving, compassionate person. You know, like someone say it's a coworker, you share, you go to church. And that person's like, Hey, I'm not into that at all. Not my cup of jam, cup of tea. And cup of jam. I cup like that. Jam. I don't know, your, your weird co
1: my jam and crumpets.
0: Anyways, if they if they reject your message, then from that point on, you have an opportunity to how you're gonna act towards that person. You know, are you gonna meet them where they're at and just be cold and stark and, and never broach it again? Or are you going to, in a very real real way, just continue to love that person like Jesus loves you? And you know, of course, not shove the gospel down their throats, but just in, in a really tangible way, show them that your life has been transformed. I think that is a really powerful way that I've heard a lot of people say of just, Hey, someone shared the gospel with me. I was not into it at all, but then I watched that person's life and I, and I could see it in their life. And so if you're that person and you share the gospel with someone or tell them you're going to the church and they say you're a weirdo, whatever it looks like, don't be discouraged. That's just the start. Or it could be just the start of your, your journey with that person.
1: Can I, can I share something just from my, from my past, or I don't know, a couple years, uh, just, uh, that kind of, um, I don't know, is an example of that. Is that okay if I share something? It's not my cup of jam, man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a couple of years ago I was inviting all of my neighbors. We have like a group chat on WhatsApp or whatever. And I was just inviting all of our neighbors to, um, our Easter service. It must've been, must've been 2018 because 2019 we were remote for Easter, right? Or no, sorry, 2020 we were remote for Easter, right? Yeah, so it must have been 2019. Anyway, and uh was inviting people to come and 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 hear about um you know this this miracle of Easter and what you know why we why we can have confidence that that Jesus really did, you know, come back to life and that he really died and he really came back to life. And um and one of our neighbors in the chat just, you know, said this very like condescending, hostile uh very like uh, rude, really text message response back to the whole group. Um, and so it was really, it was really, uh, an interesting opportunity. You know, I felt like everyone was kind of like watching Okay, like, what's Dan going to say? So, you know, uh, and, and I, man, I don't know if you guys see this on social media a lot, but, uh, there's, there's a lot of instances of people doing the exact wrong thing in that case. Right. <laughs> and getting into this back and forth kind of shouting match, uh, over Facebook. Have you guys seen that? Or is it just me?
2: Definitely. I think, yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. 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 So, so that was in the back of my mind, like, okay, don't, don't, don't get into this argument. And so, you know, the Lord really, I think led me to just a gracious response and, um, and you know, we, the the thing kind of wrapped up and, and and went on from there. Well, months later we had a really cool opportunity. Um, they, this guy and his wife, um, had, uh, you know, their, their refrigerator went like it died on them and they had just went to the Costco. They had a bunch of food and stuff. And so it was, it was actually like, I think it was like midnight or whatever. They come knocking on our door and I was, I was like, what is happening? This is so strange. And they're just like, oh my gosh, like our our refrigerator died. Like, and we just so happened to be awake at that time. And so we, we kind of go into their house we, uh, move everything into our, into our refrigerator, make room with some ice chests and stuff like that. And, you know, for about half an hour, we're just talking with them and and moving them out. And and anyway, and lots of little different opportunities over the years to, um, to, to just love them and and just be kind, you know, and talk to them and not, not push things down their throat, but just, just love them and, and model Christ to them. And, um, you know, they, when, when they moved out of our community, uh, it was just really interesting. They, they sent me this, this text message just about, they sent Emily and I this text message just about, you know, most, most religious people, most Christians are, uh, you expect them to be this way, but you guys, you know, you guys have really, have really been nice and loving and towards us. And, you know, who knows how God will use that in the future and and they're not in our community more. And so we don't really keep up, keep up with them, but, But what if in their new town, God sends somebody else to them, you know, to, to, to share with them and, and who knows, like maybe one day we'll see them in heaven. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so there's these little things that, that we can do, um, even if people reject us to continue to love them and have an impact.
2: And that's so important. You guys both bring up a good point in that our conduct is really valuable for us. And this is especially an encouragement for people who have unbelieving family members, That's something that I've struggled with a lot. None of my immediate family are believers and some are hostile. Um, You know, I've shared the gospel with all of them at some point. Does that mean I do that every time that I see them? No, they know what I believe. But at this point, and this is something, you know, that Paul even instructed for wives, like, hey, if you have an unbelieving husband, let your conduct possibly lead them to faith. Right. And so that's something that we can all aim for is, hey, you know, if people who are near to us, whether it's family or someone else that's very close to us, we may have evangelized to them at some point. You know, we, we know that we've shared the hope of Jesus with them. They've rejected it, whatever. At that point, we seek to allow our conduct to be our best advocate for us from that point forward. And that's a great example of what you just shared, Dan.
0: Hey Amen. Yeah, I think just to tag on to that, I mean, this is less profound, but a lot of times you just don't know. You know, we, we make assumptions based on someone's response and think that that's that. But just like anything else, someone will say something. Especially if there's someone who's responding to religion and they're uncomfortable with that, or to your faith, then it's not. It shouldn't be a surprise if they say something that they don't actually mean. You know, like that person could say, "Sorry, that's not my. I'm not into that at all. It's not my cup of jam." As someone would say. You know, I, before I worked at the church, I worked. I worked at a tech company, and I had this coworker who, just like that, very hostile to the idea of God and religion and, and faith. You know. But I think a lot of that came from where they were at in life and they didn't feel like they had a need for that kind of thing, you know? But then it was so interesting because even though on face value, the only verbal responses I had from this person were very black and white. Hey, not interested. Don't do that again. It was really interesting because stuff started going wrong in this person's life. And ever since then, and they still do, and this is years ago that I worked there, but they still will text me all the time and they'll ask for prayer. You know, they'll ask for prayer about whatever they're going through. And it's just so interesting because, kind of like your thing with the refrigerator, these things can really surprise you. And it just, to me, it's an encouragement of just, hey, the, the work is not invo- for nothing, you know? But again, I think like just because someone says they're not interested, I think that's a, a typical response for anyone who's embarrassed, you know, or feeling shame. And for a lot of us, we're embarrassed when we're, when someone presents this idea of, hey, you're you're a sinner and you need Jesus to save you that's a message that a lot of us don't know how to receive if we don't know God you know if we're if we're if we're living the world's uh way of living then hearing that it totally makes sense that someone would be like a little bit caught off guard a little bit surprised maybe a little bit embarrassed and they would say something that's more of a defense mechanism than how their heart is actually feeling that makes sense
1: it does make sense well put
0: so if they say that's not my cup of jam you say <laughs> but is it
1: <laughs> Have you truly tasted that jam? Yeah, dude, hey, once you've once you've tasted and seen the jam, you will realize it is the jam.
2: It is good.
0: <laughs> Taste and see, the jam is good.
2: Ooh. I, I hope to hear that on Sunday morning this week.
0: Uh it's a good one. Okay, well, I feel like we've drilled the idea of sharing the gospel a lot into people's heads right now. And it's just hard because we can keep talking about this all day because there's so many different like arenas in which this takes place, you know, like right now we've shared this example, a lot of like neighbors or coworkers, but what if you're talking about your child, you know, your kid who doesn't love God and they're in college or whatever, like there's just so many different things that we don't want to belittle how complicated this topic can really be, you know, but I think David, your last point of just our conduct is so essential. And when the Bible talks about us being assault, you know, and light in the world, that's the context we're talking about by by the way we live our lives. And so, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're just kind of just starting to wrap your mind around this idea of being more open about the gospel, start there, you know, start with your heart, start with how you're living your life. And, you know, again, if you're if you're a, a, a SOC, if you're a Sunday only Christian and it, you, you put your faith to sleep until the next Sunday, then it shouldn't be a surprise at all that the idea of sharing the gospel in the week is totally crazy to you. But again, that's not how God meant for you to live. So maybe start there. If that's you and you want some help, getting connected and plugged in, reach out to us. We'd love to be resources for you in that way. And we can do some role-playing. You can practice on us. And also, that's not my cup of jam. And you can give me your response from there. Uh, Fellas, any any last little nuggets you want to leave people with?
1: Yeah, just one thing too that I I found super helpful. And this kind of goes back to the, the issue of we're not alone in this whole thing, and I've I've found that when I'm when I'm in the context around unbelievers, let's say I'm playing pickup basketball at the park, or um, I'm on the golf course, or uh, you know at a restaurant or whatever, where there's an opportunity to interact with someone who who doesn't know the Lord or or maybe I don't I just don't know where they're at right. Um, I've always found when I have somebody with me who who is is kind of on the same page, you know, a brother in Christ, um, if my wife is with me, you know, if, if there's someone who, who shares my faith and, and who, who is, um, who's been entrusted, you know, to this amazing, uh, and sacred task of, of, of verbalizing, you know, our faith, I'm so much more likely to, to, to share, you know, I feel like I have, I'm emboldened by that, that person that's with me. And so, you know, in whatever arenas you have influence, see if there's ways you can bring people in from the church family to to run alongside you to, in those circles, you know, invite them in um, so that you can have a, a friend, you know, a partner, someone, someone to um, who's who has your back as you verbalize these things. I think that can make all the difference.
2: Yeah, I guess the last thing I would add is it's always so important to remember that it's, it's not by our own strength. It's only by God's, Mm -hmm. you know, even Moses said, I, I can't go do that. I can't go talk to people, you know, but it's all, it's all through God's strength that we're empowered
0: to do it. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Well, as always, thanks for joining us on this episode and, Hey, if you have questions or if you have some thoughts that maybe we didn't get to about this topic, then hit us up and email us at behold bbc.online and we'd love to dig into them next week and just be a resource for you guys uh, in that way. Other than that, man, exciting Sunday coming up, y'all. May 2nd, we are having indoor worship services. We hope to see you guys there. Right, Dan?
1: Yes. Don't forget to register. We cannot wait to see half of your smiling face. <laughs> smiling eyes.
0: can't wait to see your smile. Your,
1: your smiles along. Uh, smiles. Yeah, we will still be masked. At least for the time being, we'll still be masked. But can't wait to see you guys.
0: Hey, what around the block is that David may or may not be there on Sunday. So, hey, better come. You can find out.
1: We might see a we'll sighting.
0: May or may not. All right, guys. Hey, we love y'all. See you next week. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you'd like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.